This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and develop you into the person God has made you to be. In the Word of God to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, and just reading the first three verses only. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I think that we can all agree today that there are moments in life when it seems to be that the bottom just falls out of your world. Uh, an example is we just talked a moment ago about our sister Angela and the very sudden passing away uh, of her dear husband this week. Now for you, it could be that telephone call. It may be those hurtful words that were spoken that has been like a dagger to your heart. Perhaps it's the solicitor's letter that has come in. Or maybe the doctor's diagnosis are the results of the x-ray. And all of a sudden, your feelings, your emotions are just out of control. You're in a tailspin. You've hit heavy turbulence. It seems to be the ground is coming up to meet you. And confusion or anger or sadness or fear or perhaps a deep sense of foreboding engulfs you to the point where you can almost hardly breathe. There are moments like that. And then the evil one comes and whispers in your ear, where is this good God that you always talk about? Where is he now when you really need him? It seems to be he's not there for you. He may be there for others, but he's not there for you. If God was good, why are you walking through this valley? If God is so good, why are you suffering? Why is the pain and the hurt so deep in your heart? If God was good, you would not be facing this giant. You would not be going through this valley. But he is the father of lies, is he not? And so he comes and he tells you, you're not going to make it. You're too weak. The hurt is too much. The valley is too deep. The mountain is too high. You're not going to make it. The chances are too slim for you. But Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning. So what do you do in these times? How do you handle the disappointment or the feeling of betrayal or the anger or the confusion or the hurt or the feeling of rejection? What do you do? How do you handle that? 
Or perhaps when your spirit is just numb because of what you're feeling. Believe me when I say that in 35 years of pastoral ministry, Sally and I knows all of those feelings. There has been times when we have wept and we have wet the pillow with our tears. There has been times when I have stood behind this pulpit preaching and Sally has sat in the front row listening and her hearts were broken in a thousand pieces and you didn't know because we didn't tell you at that time. Because we didn't want to burden you with our issues and problems. I don't say that for your sympathy. I'm here to report to you that God is still on his throne. That God is able. I I look across this congregation and I see people I've known for years and I know the stuff that you have come through. I know the pain and the hurt and I know all of that stuff that you had to face in life. But you're here today. You came through it. He got the victory. God brought you through it in spite of all of it. When you walked through that door and you didn't know, Lord, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? But you're here today because God brought you through. An old song came to my mind yesterday and I remember part of the words and I had to look it up. It's from Mrs. Suffy and it's just the chorus. God is still on his throne and he will remember his own. Some of you older people, you remember that old song? Though trials may press us and burdens distress us, he never will leave us alone. God is still on his throne. He will never forsake his own. His promise is true. He will not forget you. God is still on his throne. Catherine Booth, wife of William Booth, the founders of the Salvation Army, made that famous statement, I am not going under, I am going over, over to the other side. So whatever you're facing today, and I'm not belittling it or making light of it, been through it, know what it's like, But whatever you're facing today, God is with you. And he will not fail you and he will not forsake you. He'll be with you, his promises, even unto the end. You say, David, I wish I felt him. I wish I sensed that he was with me. Because right at the moment, I don't sense that and I don't feel that. I'm trying my best. See, it's Spurgeon, the great preacher, one time said that God often hides himself, but he never absents himself. Even though you can't see him and you may not feel him, he is there. When those great storm clouds roll in and it blots out the sun from our sight, we know that the sun is still there. And we know those clouds will blow away sometime and the sun will still be shining. It's always shining. It's never stopped shining. And the Son of God is seeing. Whenever trouble comes and it comes as a great cloud over us and we can't see him, know that he's still there and he's still on his throne. It is when we understand him the least that we need to trust him the most. That's my quote, by the way. You can put that on Facebook. <laughs> 
instead of some of the rubbish you do put on it. It is when we understand Him the least that we must trust Him the most. So when your world is falling apart, what is going to keep you holding it together? When life has dealt you a blow, how are you going to fight back? And so this morning, for a few moments, I want to go back to basics. Not going to give you any Greek or Hebrew words or unpack them. When you're going through a crisis, Greek and Hebrew words is the last thing you're thinking about, isn't it? So I'm not going to give you a theological treatise this morning. Simple, basic stuff. Because when you're in the heat of battle, that's what you need to remember. So first of all, couldn't get any more simpler than this. First of all, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the writer says of Hebrews, the author and the finisher of our faith. In life, you need a focus, you need a fixed points, you need a focal point. Years and years ago, in our previous church, there was about a dozen of us used to go out fishing out on a boat out to sea, and we went maybe. I don't know, two or three or four miles. However far those lighthouses is off the coast of Larn, I forget now. Say three or four miles. You went out there and the boatman switched off and then we threw our rods over the side, our lines over the sides, not our rods. We didn't have to fish with. <laughs> There's times I was so sick I felt like throwing myself over the side. Uh, and the boat just kind of drifted on the current for a while. And then he would start up again, and then he would go back again to where we were, and then it would drift on the current for another while, and he would do that all night. And how he knew where to go back again was a light on the shore. He looked at a light on the shore, and he lined his boat up with that light, and then when he drifted away, and he saw he was away off an angle, he would come back again, and he lined his boat up again, and he would do that all night. Because the tides were causing us to drift, and we were losing our position. And sometimes when stuff happens in life and trouble comes, you start to drift spiritually and you lose your focus and position and you've got to get back again and focus on Christ. Get back to basics and focus on the Lord. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. If he's the author, he will be the finisher. Paul puts that another way. Paul says, he who begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You know, even Jesus himself, he had a fixed point. He had a focal point in life. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Who for the joy that was set before him, he kept his eye on the goal what was the joy that was set before him? In John 17, in that great high priestly prayer, he prays. It's a wonderful prayer that concerns you and me. But in that prayer, here's what he said in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you give me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. Here was his heart's desire. Here was something that he longed for. 
Here is something that he knew that he'd have to endure the cross for. And that was that we would be with him where he is. And that we would see him in all his splendor and all his glory. What a thrill to his heart. What a joy that would bring for us to see him, to stand in his presence and be with him. You know that he wants you with him more than you want to be with him. He wants you to see his glory more than you want to see his glory. That was his great prayer. His heart was being poured out. That's what he longed for. And he had to go through all of that stuff. All of the pain, all of the rejection, all of the hurt. In order to get to where he needed to be. In order to claim us as his inheritance. For consider him who endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The Hebrew Christians was going through a time of great persecution. Peter writes about it too. But the fiery trials they were facing. Some of them were going back. They, they, they buckled uh, in the face of it. And they were going back. And they were no longer coming to the house of God. And so the writer writes to them. And he reminds them of Jesus. And he's saying, look ahead. Look beyond the present distress. And look ahead. Jesus did this for the joy that was set before him. Right now you may not see much when you look ahead. But God has great plans for us ahead. His plans are so great that this time on earth will not be enough to fulfill them. It'll take all eternity. And he suffered the shame and the humility and the hostility. Hung naked on a cross. And he did all that that the Father's will may be fulfilled. That you and I may come to that place of faith in him. And that we may stand before his presence. And that we may see him in all his effulgent glory. Those ones in the Mount of Transfiguration, they just got a little tiny glimpse. Just for a moment, it was as if the curtain was just slightly pulled back. And they wanted to park there, but it was so good. What's it going to be like when we stand in his presence? And see him in his full glory. Let's fix our eyes upon Jesus. Not upon man, not upon man. but upon Jesus. Then secondly, remind yourself of past victories. Remind yourself of past victories. Now, I know that when you get through a tough time, and maybe it's been a horrible tough time, but you've got through it, quite naturally, you want to try to put it behind you and move on. And though you can't can't quite forget about it, but you don't want to dwell on it. You want to move on. It's a new day. And that's fine. That's natural. And that's good. But never forget the victory you got through that. Never forget who gave you the victory through that to get you where you are today. Listen. 
David said to King Saul in 1 Samuel 17 regarding the battle with the giant. He said, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The lion's paw, if you ever seen one close up, is big and it's powerful. The bear's paw is even bigger and more powerful. And this nine-foot giant Goliath of Gath, his big paw was even bigger than that again and more powerful. The Bible says that his spear, the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. That's a big hand to get around that, isn't it? And so in a sense, David was saying, listen, God delivered me from the paw of the lion. He delivered me from the paw of the bear. And he's going to deliver me from the paw of this big giant. Whatever, listen to me, whatever hand is coming against you today, God's hand is bigger and greater and more powerful. And you've got to see that. And there will be battles in life. And there'll be some will be bigger battles than other. But God's hand is bigger than all of that. David was reminding himself of past victories. And he was reminding not only himself, but all those who were listening, who gave him those past victories. The God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear shall deliver me from the paw of this giant too. So sometimes you just need to look back. Some of you have sat with me. You poured out your heart. And you didn't know how you were going to get through what you've got through. And you couldn't see a way. And I didn't know. I couldn't see a way. But we prayed. And God made a way. God made a way. And you're sitting looking at me today. And that's a distant memory. (laughs) It's a distant memory. But don't forget the victory. And if God delivered you then, God can deliver you now. And if God met the need then, God can meet the need now. He hasn't changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? You've got to trust in the wisdom of God. When your world doesn't make sense any longer, trust in the wisdom of God. When you can see no purpose in the problem. And most times we don't at the time. Looking back, it's always 2020 vision, isn't it, when you look back? You could see it then, but at the time. So when you see no purpose in the problem, Trust the wisdom of God. When you can't see a way through, trust the wisdom of God. When your feelings seem stronger than your faith, trust the wisdom of God. 
Am I the only one who's ever had that experience when your feelings seem stronger than your faith? I don't think so. They're looking at me religiously looking now. Old Martin Luther said, feelings come and feelings go, but feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token, there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things shall pass away, his word shall stand forever. I read a quote from old Corrie Ten Boom, a great old saint. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Isn't that good? Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. God knows the future. He knows the end from the beginning. And even though we can't see too far ahead, he's already there before we get there. Because he's not stuck in time like we are. He lives in eternity. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to young Pastor Timothy, in his first letter he ends with a benediction. He says, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. To God who alone is wise. Wisdom's a wonderful thing. And reading the word of God and through prayer and through seeking God's face, he will give us wisdom. But as long as we live in this limited body we have, in this earth, our wisdom is limited. But God's wisdom is unlimited. And He can impart some of that to us whenever we need it. But He's an all wise God. And we need to learn to trust in His wisdom when we don't see Him or don't feel Him. In Isaiah chapter 55. Verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Aren't you glad that you follow somebody who knows more than you know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, all the top business executives in the world they say they surround themselves who smarter, who, 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 with people who are smarter than they are. God's a lot smarter than we are. And I'm glad for that. Because there's times I don't know very much. Do you ever admit that to yourself? Do you ever think to yourself, oh, I don't know very much. I'm just like a child in this. You'll have to teach me. 
I've still got the L plates up. Still in the learning process. Just when you think you know everything, you're heading for a big fall, aren't you? But when you're humble enough to say, God, I don't know everything, and I certainly don't know everything about this situation, but Lord, you know. So I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not going to trust my understanding. I'm not going to lean onto my understanding. But I'm going to trust you. Because you know everything. So fix your eyes upon Jesus. Remind yourself of past victories. Trust in the wisdom of God. And here's the, here's the final thing. And this possibly is the most important of all. Worship the Lord even when you don't feel like it. Worship the Lord even when you don't feel like it. I promise you, you will not feel like it. I didn't. And you won't either. Unless you are some kind of superhuman being. There will be times and there will be stuff happen to you and the last thing you will even want to do is come to the house of God or pray or sing or worship. Everything in your nature, your old nature will fight against that. But you have to do it. Even when you don't feel like it. In Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps may give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They didn't want this slave to be ruling over them. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps Throng before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. And all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions, petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, the king signed the written decree. It fed his ego and it flattered him. And he walked into the trap they had set for Daniel. And even though he loved Daniel greatly, but note this, but when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, which in effect was his death warrant, he would either compromise or he would die. When he knew the writing was signed, he went home 
And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He worshipped the Lord in the midst of that dire situation. He didn't change one thing. He prayed his three times a day toward Jerusalem. You got to admire that, haven't you? Here was a man didn't know Jesus, didn't have the New Testament, didn't have any of that, but he had a big heart for God. And he loved God with all of his heart. And nothing was going to stop him worshipping his God. Even in the tough times. Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail in Acts 16. Their backs were raw flesh. They had been beaten with rods to within an inch of their life. They were thrown into the inner prison. In the deepest, darkest, stinkingest dungeon. And at midnight, when they were in pain, and in the blackness of that dungeon, the Bible says they began to pray and they began to sing hymns. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? What an attitude! Would I have been able to do that? Well, I'd like to hope so. But unless you're in that position, you're not going to know, are you? But they were in that position. And they did. And it wasn't just a wee kind of quiet singing. The whole prison heard them. All the prisoners heard them. They were singing in the top of their voices unto the Lord. The Lord couldn't stand it any longer. They sent an earthquake and it shook that whole jail up, didn't it? How about jailhouse rock? Jailhouse was rocking all right, wasn't it? Because those two men of God, even when they perhaps didn't feel like it, they roused themselves and said, let's pray and let's sing anyway. In 1 Samuel 30, King David's on the run from Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He's already tried a couple of times. And so he gets as far away from Saul as he can, and he goes into the land of the Philistines. And he's there for quite a while. And he and the king of the Philistines become very close friends. And there came a battle with the Philistines and Israel. And David went along for the battle to be on the side of the Philistines. Can you imagine that? That's how bad things were. And the king of the Philistines was quite happy for David to come because he'd never caused him any problems. But the princes of the Philistines didn't like the idea. And they went to the king of the Philistines and said, Look, we don't want this man to be with us. He's a servant of Saul. 
And who knows, but in the heat of the battle, he'll turn against us and he'll fight for Saul against us. So, no, we don't want him. We can't trust him. So the king came to David and said, David, look, I'm sorry. I want you to come. You've never done me any harm in your life since you've been here, but the princes don't trust you. I'm sorry, you can't go with us to battle. So they made their way back home to Ziglag. And the Amalekites, who were like raiding hordes or bands, took advantage of this, these battles between the Philistines and the Israelites, and they would go to these villages, small towns that perhaps were less guarded, and they would raid them. So when David and his man was away, they come back to Ziglag, and the Malachites had been, and taken all their wives, and all their sons, and all their daughters, and all their goods, and burnt the village with fire. And it was such a shock to the men. And they cried, and they wept, until there was no more tears left. And then they decided, we'll stone David, because it's his fault. We followed him in good faith. And he's brought us to this place at this day where I've lost our wives, our children, everything. They're probably all dead somewhere, slaughtered. But they weren't. They took them alive as captives. The Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. I wish the Bible had said more than that. I wish it had told us how he did that. But I think if you read the Psalms and you see the heart of this great man, you'll find out how in times of great trouble, even though he wept and even though he complained and even though times he was even angry at God, if you read through the Psalms, you'll find he come back from that position and he always ended up worshiping. And praising the Lord. And focusing on his goodness. For his mercy endureth forever. And although I can't say for sure. I have a sneaky feeling. He probably got away on his own somewhere. And he probably got down on his knees. And he poured his heart out. And maybe. I don't know. Maybe he was saying. God. Why did you let this happen? These people want to stone me. And then he began to think. Nah. God's good. I've walked with the Lord for many years and he's good and he's been good to me. And he would begin to rise up and praise and pray and seek the Lord. And then he says, let's go to the priest. Let's get the ephod. Let's get the mind of God in this. Let's see what can be done. Now he's positive. Now, now he's ready to do battle. You know, now, now he's not crying anymore now. Now he's, he feels God's on my side. I just need to know what to do here. God's with me. And God was with him. And God told him to pursue after that trip. And he went. And he raided the Amalekites. And he got all of his wives and his families and all the men. And he got everything back that was stolen. Worship the Lord even when you don't feel like it. It keeps your own heart right. And it builds something into you that makes you strong in the Lord. And it gets your mind off the hurt and the pain and the confusion 
and the anger sometimes, all of that stuff that goes through our hearts and minds, and it gets our thoughts and our minds onto the Lord. And then after a while we begin to feel God is bigger than this. God is bigger than this. And He's bigger than I am. He's bigger than this need. He's bigger than this pain and this hurt. He's bigger than all of this. And He can lift me up in His big hands. And He can take care of me. Let me close by reading this great old poem by Edgar A. Guest. You've heard it over the years a few times. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but do not quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have won the cap- might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint in the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things get worse that you must not quit. I think Mr. Guest had been through some stuff in life to write that. What are you facing today? What are you facing? Are you saying in your heart, God, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? He's a wise God. And he's a good God. And he's a big God. Put your little hand into his big hand. And he will lead you and he will guide you every single step of the way. Because he loves you and he cares about you and his heart is towards you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, there's so many of your people today who are facing battles and struggles. And they're walking by faith and not by sight. And they're trusting in your goodness. And you will not fail them. And you will not forsake them. You will be with them. And you will carry them through. So help us today, Lord, in the midst of difficulties to raise up our voices. Help us, Lord, even when we don't understand, we're still going to trust you. One day we will understand, but we're going to trust you when we don't. And so we give you thanks today. 
We know that you are with us. And so we reach out by faith and we take your hand. And by so doing, we are saying, God, I trust you. I believe in you. My hope is in you. And my future is in you. So thank you, Lord, for your protection, for your care, for your mercy, for your compassion, for your love, for your faithfulness, because that's the type of God that you are. So we bless you this day. And I ask for strength and comfort and peace and blessing and even joy in the midst of all of the difficulties. We're not going under. We're going over. Over to the other side. So Lord, even though the storms may be blowing and we may be drifting, it seems, on the tides and yet you're in the boat. And when you're in the boat, Lord, we're going to make it to the other side. So bless you for this day. Thank you for the preciousness of your word that encourages and gives us strength for the day. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more teaching resources, visit www.mpc.org.uk.